Welcome to Very Old Money, a podcast that looks at history through money. Episode 2.4 I am the Badge of Phanies. A quick announcement before we begin. The podcast is also available on most podcatchers, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also subscribe to it on YouTube. The coins listed on the cover art today are again from Classical Numismatic Group LLC, and you can view their site at www.cngcoins.com. In particular, I wanted to thank Travis Markle from CNG for providing the comparative picture that you see in the cover art for the episode that shows you the comparative sizes of the coins uh, that are being talked about today. So on with the show. From 2700 BC to 1450 BC, a Bronze Age civilization that is today referred to as the Minoan civilization flourished on the island of Crete and other Aegean islands. From 1600 BC to 1450 BC, a series of natural disasters rocked the civilization. From earthquakes to the eruption of the Thera volcano that resulted in the modern island of Santorini. And this sent the civilization to decline until it ended around 1100 BC. The name Minoan derives from the mythical king Minos, and this was coined by the British archaeologist Sir Arthur Evans, who identified the site at Knossos with the labyrinth and the Minotaur the famous myth from Greek mythology. The Minoan civilization was the first advanced civilization in Europe. This left behind massive buildings, palaces, artwork, and a huge trade network that extended all the way up to Egypt. And they also had writing systems. The Minoans started with hieroglyphs from about 2100 BC to 1700 BC, and then a writing system that is referred to as Linear A from about 1800 to 1450. Neither of these has been deciphered, and nor has the Minoan language. We do not know its relation to modern Greek or the other languages in the Near East at the time. From 1600 to 1100 BC, the Mycenaean civilization flourished on mainland Greece, and this civilization gradually took over Crete itself. This is the last Bronze Age civilization in Greece and is the setting of many Greek myths, most notably the Trojan War. Agamemnon, the leader of the Greek host that attacked Troy, was king of Mycenae. Around 1450, a new script descended from Linear A emerges that has been classified as Linear B. Now these scripts got their name because they look like lines when compared to the previous hieroglyphs. Now, unlike Linear A, this one has been deciphered by a self-taught British linguist, Michael Ventris. Ventris noticed that certain simple combinations appeared only on tablets found in Crete, and he postulated that these might actually be place names on the island, and his guess was right. And as a result, he unlocked much of the text and made the additional discovery that the underlying language of Linear B was in fact Greek. Now, Linear A and Linear B share many symbols, 
unfortunately using the values associated with linear b produces unintelligible words which again as i said raises the question what exactly was the minoan language and it does not appear to be related to greek mycenaean greece was one of the civilizations that fell during the bronze age collapse that has been mentioned on the podcast a few times this was the collapse that saw the fall of the hittite empire and that severely weakened the new kingdom in egypt so this happened around 1100 bc and this led to three centuries that are sometimes called the greek dark ages in this period there are no written records from greece and when writing reemerges in the late 9th and early 8th centuries the new alphabet borrows from another one that existed in the near east Phoenicia was a Thalassocratic that is seaborne civilization. It was a Semitic speaking civilization in the Mediterranean and it originated in the Levant, specifically Lebanon. This civilization like Greece was organized into city-states and most of these are centered in modern Lebanon. And these cities are famous cities of antiquity and some of them continue on to this day. Tyre, Sidon, Arvad, Beritus, Beirut, Byblos, and later Phoenician colonists would found a city in North Africa, Carthage. Now each city-state was politically independent and we do not know to what extent Phoenicians viewed themselves as a single nationality. And this is something that affects Greece down the road too. Around 1050 BC, the Phoenicians came up with the oldest verified alphabet in the world. it consisted of 20 consonant letters and the vowels were left implicit now this was a huge improvement over pictograph based writing systems like the hieroglyphs and cuneiform which previously dominated writing systems in the world and phoenician traders spread it all over the mediterranean world where a number of civilizations adopted or adapted it The Paleo-Hebrew alphabet is a local variant of Phoenician as is the Aramaic alphabet the ancestor of modern Arabic. Modern Hebrew script is a stylistic variant of Aramaic. The Greeks adapted the Phoenician alphabet with an added innovation. They were the first to have distinct letters for vowels. Now there were many local variations of the Greek alphabet until it was standardized into the 24 Greek letters we know today and this was done in the 4th century BC From Greece this alphabet spread it was adopted by the Etruscans in Italy who then passed it along to another tribe called the Latins who adopted 21 of the 27 Etruscan characters and over time that grew into the 26 letter latin alphabet that we still use today now when you compare the phoenician alphabet with some of the alphabets of the languages that adapted the alphabet from phoenician you can see some similarities so the phoenician letters alphabet gimel and dalt became alap bet gamma dalat in aramaic in arabic they become Aleph, Ba, Jim, and Dal. In Greek, you get Alpha, Beta, Gamma, and Delta, and obviously in Latin you get A, B, C, and D. 
The word alphabet itself is derived from joining the first two letters from the Greek alphabet, alpha and beta. That gives you alphabet. So why have I spent all this time discussing languages today? Because the coins we are dealing with are the first coins with a Greek inscription on them. These coins are referred to as the coins of Phanes, and the reason for that will be explained soon. They are among the first known Greek coins, and a heavy hectare was found in the famous Artemisian hoard at the Temple of Artemis in Ephesus, and that hoard has been mentioned a couple of times already. This, along with the presence of a stag on the design, and the stag is an animal associated with Artemis, goddess of the hunt, suggests that these coins come from Ephesus. These coins come in seven denominations, from a full stator down to a 196 stator, and five of these are on the cover art today and on the website. And these have different varieties, with the stag facing in different directions, and sometimes you have other symbols of a pentagram or a triad of pellets on them. Now, only the two largest denominations have text. The full staters carry a legend, Phaneos Emisima, or something similar to that, and that legend has been translated to I am the badge of Phanes. The trites of one-third staters just have the name Phaneos of Phanes. Now, even though the smaller coins don't have a legend, numismatists are pretty sure that these coins are definitely linked because the depiction of the stag is consistent. These coins are minted to the same weight standard and often the reverse punch on these coins is used across different denominations. And that's the sort of die matching that I've mentioned a couple of times that help you, helps you associate coins of a series together. Now the text on these coins, the letters of these coins are in retrograde. Now, other than maybe the 124th stator, these denominations are all pretty rare and most are known by only a handful of examples. All these coins are again still in Electrum and they are generally dated between 625 to 600 BC. There are five coins in the cover art today from the seven varieties of this series that are known and again these are all from CNG. And these are all being grouped together in decreasing size from left to right. The first of these is a trite, 14 millimeters and 4.67 grams. And you have Phaneos in retrograde archaic Greek. And below that you have a stag grazing right. And it's the indentations of the body uh, signify the dappled coat of the stag. The reverse has two incused punches. Each of those has raised intersecting lines. Now these are very, very rare. There are about probably less than 20 trites of Phanes that are known. Now the number of full staters is actually even lower. Only five of these have hit public auction. And according to heritage auctions, based on rumors of some of these that have, may have traded privately, there probably aren't more than 12 of these known. The second coin in the image is a hectare. That's a 1.6 stator, so 9.55 millimeters and 2.35 grams. Now you no longer have space for the full stag, but you just have the four part. And the reverse has an abstract geometric pattern with an in square punch. 
The third one is a hemihecte. So half of a six stator or a 12 stator. So eight millimeters and 1.16 grams. And again, you have the four part of the stag facing right and the head is reverted. And on the reverse, you have an abstract geometric pattern within the incused square. The fourth of these coins is a 24th stator, six millimeters and 0.57 grams. Now these coins are getting really, really small at this point. Again, on the obverse, you have the four part of the stag facing right with the head reverted and the reverse has an incused square punch with raised lines within the punch. And the last coin is getting really, really small. It's a 48 stator, 4.5 millimeters and only 0.28 grams. Now, given the size of this coin, there is no space for the full, even the four part of the stag, just have the head of the stag facing right. And on the reverse, you have an abstract geometric pattern within the incused square. Now, this is a really, really small coin. And just remember, there is a 196 stator that's about half the size of this one. And that must have been a lot of fun carrying these coins around and hoping you don't drop them. Now, we do not know who Fanny's was. This could be a personal name of an official. It could be a private individual. Whoever it was may have put his badge on the coin as a guarantee of quality. Now, in later periods, particularly in the Greek city-states, it was not uncommon for city magistrates to be named on the coins. And it's possible Phanes was one of them. But again, this is conjecture. And while I am the badge of Phanes is the most commonly accepted reading of the legend, there are different variations that people have suggested based on the grammar used for Phanes and the other meanings that Phanes can sometimes carry. Another reading of the legend translates to, I am the tomb of light. Now Phanes can mean light and Sima can mean tomb. In this case, Phanes is probably a divinity, perhaps as Apollo Phanios, the light bringer, or Artemis due to the stag. Now Apollo is the twin of Artemis in Greek mythology, and he is often associated with his sister on art and even on coins. Uh, there are later Greek coins which will have Artemis on the obverse and Apollo with his bow on the reverse. But again, this is all conjecture. We really have no idea who the actual issuer of these coins was. So, as with the inscribed Lydian coins that we talked about in episode 2.1, where we didn't know whether... Valavet refers to King Aliates or just a local official. Even with the first inscribed Greek coin, we are unable to avoid conjecture and mystery. But the coins of Phanes are a big step in numismatics because in the Greek world, as I said, this is the first coin to actually carry text on them. And this is something that will continue in the future. So next time we will conclude this season that's taken a look at the introduction of Western coinage with a look at Cyrus the Great. And yes, we're getting back to Cyrus the Great, asserting control over Lydia in the aftermath of his defeat of Croesus in the King's Peace. See you soon. If you like this episode, please give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes or on the podcatcher from where you access this podcast. This is a new podcast and good reviews are essential in helping us get the word out.
So thank you in advance for your support.